it's Sabrina Hahn and this episode is brought to you by our very dear mates at Bentonite WA who make very high-grade premium calcium bentonite clay, which is 100% West Australian owned and operated. So uh, you only need a very small amount, 3 to 6% in your garden bed. It's all through my garden bed. So check them out, bentonitewa.com.au. Well, dig that. Now, ladies and gentlemen, repeat after me. Sabrina's Dirty Deeds. <laughs> yeah. Oh, hello, Sab. Good to see you again. Hello, Jamie. It's lovely to have you back here. Yeah. Place yeah. is looking good. Well, I have to confess that it wasn't me that made it that tidy. Right. Because I've got children that feel real shame when people come to my house because... I don't do housework. That's the way to do it, I reckon. Yeah, yeah, I like being outdoors. Don't like so much being indoors. And I always think that dirt is yep. a good thing to have inside your house. Yeah, well, this is Dirty Deeds, so that e- kind of helps. Exactly. Yeah. They don't call me Dirty Deeds for nothing. No, uh, it's looking <laughs> it's looking good. We're just looking out your front door and there's you've got a few visitors here. They're knocking. Oh, <laughs> uh, they are. Yeah. Um, well, we'll just... Uh, well, we'll just carry on with the conversation because people just pop in here. This is the kind of place you just pop into, See, Jamie. this is what happens when you have an open-door policy. <laughs> Don't have this problem at my house because when people no? walk past, I just stare at them on the street and give them a glare. Oh, no, no friends here. Oh, <laughs> that's nasty. Yeah, that's it? me. Oh. Yeah, Do you want to say hello to them or are um, you you're just going to save them for later? Uh, no. Well, um, they've now perched on the veranda, so perhaps right. I should just... Um, well, uh, what we'll do is we'll get into a bit of a conversation first. Okay. And then... Um, I'm just going to let them stew there for I a little <laughs> bit. They're looking it's, in going, what are you doing? It's a lovely view from my veranda, I have to say. You can see nice. The, you can see the garden from there. Nice garden out in the front mm. just to, um, you know, peacock a little bit to the neighbours as yeah, well. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I don't mind peacocking when it's gardening. No. And there's a day bed out there. Is there? Yeah, so if visitors come like... Like, um, I think this is Eddie from who works, volunteers at the uh, Kings Park plant sales. Right. Um, and she gets, brings plants delivered to my door. So, she's bringing you plants mm. to your door. Yeah. And you're just going to make her wait out there on the day bed. <laughs> <laughs> she might not be bringing them around again. Uh, she's a good soul. She'll understand. Oh, okay. Um, but speaking of Kings Park. Yes. Um, we have a very special guest on our podcast today, don't we? Yeah, we do. We've actually got Grady Brand, who is pretty much about as close as you can get to exceptional. Um, he's the senior curator, curator of the Botanic Gardens. Curator, Park, creator, creator. kind of goes hand in hand. Well, actually, he does a lot of creation yeah. of stuff there as as well as curating it. So, um, welcome, Grady, to our humble little podcast show. Thanks for having me. We're, we're very excited to have <laughs> you, actually, because, uh, well, we've all been to Botanic Gardens somewhere around the world, haven't we? Yeah, I've been to a few. Yeah. And here in Perth, it's obviously a real a real feature as well. And it's do, do you think that locals need to get down there more? Is it something that you see more mm. tourists than you do people that might call Perth home? No, it's actually from all our, um, you know, surveys and interviewing uh, visitors, 
it's sort of the higher end that it is actually community visited. So of the over 5 million, I think it's something like 90% are actually local people. Really? So it's definitely the people's park how fantastic Mm, is that that mm. so many people that live in perth visit so um i have to say that i've been a a constant visitor to uh (laughs) you're adding to those yeah i am uh (laughs) king's park botanic gardens for probably 38 years and um i think i've seen your name sort of splashed around (laughs) since that period of time so Grady when did you start at Kings Park Mm, I was tempted by becoming a horticulturalist as Mm -hmm. a as a young leaver of school and I applied for a job there as a trainee in 1978 (laughs) yeah (laughs) he says with a smile a fair while ago and you know like anybody that deals with plants they change your life and so I went in just going, well, I like plants, I like seeing things grow, I like being part of that. And I think it just grew on me. And I had various roles, but each one has been a fun journey. And so about that, about the journey of Kings Park, because to be involved in something as enormous mm. as the Kings Park Botanic Gardens, over the decades... Have you seen and been involved in sort of an evolution of the gardens? Yeah, look, I, my, personal, my personal thought is the greatest evolution is probably the understanding of how special Kings Park has been. It wasn't just when we turned up, when Europeans turned up. It has that heart, it has that spiritual heart to it. And I think once I personally understood that, it sort of changed the way I approached work. And that wasn't just me. It was those that are vested to look after it took on that caring for Kings Park in a way that respected the previous owners. Mm. Do, you, do you source inspiration from other botanic gardens around the world? And do you get an opportunity to go see what, what other people are doing? I do. I I remember when we went and exhibited at the Chelsea Flower Show in sort of the late 90s to sort of put Perth, WA, Kings Park, WA, Flora on the map. We went and did a garden tour of the UK, which has a rich garden history. Mm. And our mission was really to go and see which gardens worked and which gardens didn't. And those that had a very simple vision and weren't actually influenced by lots of different human thoughts were the ones that actually had the integrity and I think that was probably a very valuable thing for us to bring back and apply to King's Park because humans have got a great habit of changing things and actually doing a disservice to what is actually a very lovely space. So sort of over-fiddling. Over-fiddling. It's sort of... <laughs> it's sort of a technical term. It's sort of <laughs> called It's sort of called uh, power-playing or power horticulture, you know, where yeah. they do it for their own glory. It yeah. is tough to keep things kind of simple, though, not to meddle too much, right, because your yeah. ego comes into play and you want to have an impact and you want to be seen to, to doing things. So is there mm. a real art in kind of stripping back and, oh, and yeah. keeping to... To, to something's roots in a way? I Yeah, I believe there is. And I suppose I probably get more of my inspiration not from other people's work, but maybe from the natural world. 
And if, because I sort of see that as the mother garden, mm. the one that actually is the inspiration and the one that has millions of years of evolution and just understanding its complexity and how it became what it is, to me is of greater inspiration than maybe what I would get from another human being. So do you think plants are clever? Oh, I think (laughs) they're so clever that they've got the ability to change your life beyond what uh, you ever dreamed. So there's a big emphasis now on... um on mental health and the role that nature plays in uh, having sort of a healing space uh, where where people that experience nature that are under stress or mm. have anxiety or depression or um, and there's been a, a lot of sort of research and stuff done on that now. So wh- what do you think the role of a botanic garden has in that space of of mental health? I think it's a key role. I think as it becomes mainstream and as people actually understand that having a connection to nature will actually be sometimes better than what the medical person can prescribe. Um, to me, that is what botanic gardens are there wherever evolving places and if the community have those issues then most botanic gardens are set up for those spaces for that quiet contemplation different places for different people wherever they're at but particularly perhaps where king's park is you know really in that the center of the city i probably see it as bringing nature to the city and being a stepping stone for the rest of WA to promote what an amazing place we've got. Mm. I don't see Kings Park as the be-all, end-all, but really as a catalyst to promote regional WA for all those amazing spaces that are national parks and have meant something to Aboriginal people for thousands of years. Do you get the opportunity to to maybe just eavesdrop and see people enjoy those gardens and, and take it in i i personally think that's one of my finest pleasures in life <laughs> yeah i say yeah. you do a little bit of stalking uh, <laughs> you can't help as you're wandering through the garden you know you see people on their knees or taking a photo or mm. you know there with their grandparent or with their child you know reminiscing about what that plant meant to them so it is that spoken word that is the powerful part of humanity Mm. and seeing people in the garden and enjoying that to me actually makes it all worthwhile and um you have quite a uh, a large area for research there and Mm. one of your you know we've been lucky enough to interview one of your chief fiddlers uh, there. <laughs> yes, <laughs> not sure that's how he introduced himself. That's when the mics were off, Tab. He's happy with that. I think he likes he, he chief fiddler now. Yeah, he's he's right. quite at home. I'm a little jealous. How do I get that title? <laughs> um, so, so there is quite a bit of research work done on different species, isn't mm. there? And yeah. um, so <laughs> we have the wonderful chief fiddler, Digby, who um, has 
managed to breed some amazing new varieties mm. of of West Australian plants with a lot of fiddling, though. Yeah. So how important is that aspect to to Kings Park? Yeah, I, I'm of the great believer that it's no one thing that converts humanity to falling mm. in love with plants, but it is a connection to plants. So if somebody thinks they actually haven't got a green thumb, sometimes actually need a plant that's a bit more bulletproof. And that's where I think plant development plays a great role in producing plants that really are capable of growing in everybody's garden mm. and it is a mechanism to promote Western Australian plant. It is a conservation initiative, our plant development team, and Digby would say that and mm. so would Mark. It's a mechanism to, as much as there is some fiddling, but it still promotes West yeah. Australian flora and its biodiversity and by default, you're sending those plants around the world because yeah. plant development are linked with growers all around the world and it's about putting them on the world market. Mm. That actually raises a greater awareness to your place on earth. Yeah. It's interesting, Jamie. There's uh, there's an area... So, there, of course, there's... Um, there's pressure on botanic gardens too to try and save some of our very rare endangered species mm. that for you know a, a multiple of reasons that mm. we're looking at losing so there's that role but there's uh, there's an outdoor area so um, Digby will start fiddling with plants and looking at different um, behaviors of plants and and different things that characters of plants that may be good or may be mad and and then they're they're sent out to what the, all the young ones call the killing fields right so they they either survive out there or they so out of all the different ones that that they breed there's less than 10 percent that actually yep. end up making it to market hmm. so it's a huge you know, it's a it's a long term, huge process. But it, you know, how exciting is that yeah. to actually look at different characteristics within plants and say, well, if we take some of that and mix it with that, let's see what we get at the end. Yeah. And then, if it survives the killing fields, <laughs> the ultimate the, test, the ultimate test, <laughs> yeah. then um, then of course there's a, an opportunity for them to be. Um, grown commercially yeah and the other lovely thing i think that botanic gardens worldwide because it is a, a world system you know they really say they really treat that every plant is important so mm. to lose a plant is a is a backward step for humanity because it may unlock solutions for mankind and you know it's part of a human uh, part of a biological chain mm. so that's sort of the underlying ethos so in collecting seed unlocking dormancies how to grow them how to store them kings park plays a major role in preserving and i suppose researching the west australian flora and mm. and really that on a world scale is in its infancy if kings park's only been doing that for 55 years that's my lifetime yeah so yeah. you know yeah. it is on a world scale it's young but we're dealing with a flora that is probably the most ancient so that's a bit of a fun combination it's a nice juxtaposition isn't it um yeah. so do we have vaults full of seed of, of plants we that we're trying to yeah. to keep around and save 
So we do. We have there's two seed centres in Western Australia, one in Kensington and one in Kings Park. So Kensington store predominantly threatened flora and Kings Park store the rest of the species and there's some sharing between the two just for risk management. Yeah. And yeah, there's quite a collegial approach to make sure the the state's flora is preserved because you know, it's far better, it's far safer in its natural habitat. But with all the influences that are upon the world, mm. you know, the need to store it, the genetic pool in a seed centre is a is a wise thing to do. Imagine there's a lot of people that would love to get into there, Sab, oh, for a bit of a poke yeah, around. It's, hey? pretty, it's, it's pretty, pretty cold. <laughs> it's minus your 20. You've got to wear a big suit and big gloves. <laughs> you got to earn it. Oh, you've got to yeah. earn it. And a bloke like me needs a hat too. So. You've got to get a big key pain. as well. Yeah. <laughs> Well, I thought it might be a retina scan or something, but not just a big key that someone's got. Oh, we'll move to that. <laughs> we'll get there. We'll get there. We'll get there. Yeah. But it's, um, I guess the the great thing, and I and I'm thinking, you know, why so many local West Australians visit Kings Park. I mean, apart from it being the most amazing view of the city, but when you guys have the the festival in particular I think when we have visitors even from over east they cannot get over the vastness of Western Australia Mm. and the fact you know if you want to see some particular wildflower that is in Albany um, and then you want to see something like the wreath Lashinaltia you have to travel (laughs) enormous distances but the wonderful thing about Kings Park is the way that you've actually managed to showcase all the different regions of Western Australia. Mm. So what what was involved in that? Because soil type is, of course, crucial for many West Australian native species. Mm. Look, we mentioned earlier about what that journey was about and I, you know, in about the mid-90s we'd sort of been you know, 25 years into the Botanic Garden and we sort of had a look at it and went, where are we heading? And I think under the guidance of Stephen Hopper in those days, we sort of decided that we were going to be up there, we were going to try and be up there with the best in the world because we sort of went, well, we've got one of the best floras in the world. And fortunately, the government of the day in the 60s went, let's focus on West Australian plants. So we had that purity of vision which really helped with what you're saying. So it was about celebrating the state's flora. And then as we went, well, how do you become world class? It was about making sure your messages were really clear and you were celebrating the state's flora um, with integrity and not trying to grow them all, but to try and grow a select number really well. So because people, they have to see by example and be inspired by it you know if the garden looks a bit ordinary well Mm. then they sort of go well it's pretty ordinary so if you want the plants to have the acknowledgement you believe they should well then they've got to look pretty spunky so that was sort of part of it so some botanic gardens go a bit stamp collecty pretty proud they've got one plant from every country in the Mm. world we fortunately don't have that worry Mm. we just go we're going west australian Everybody from the scientist to the educator to the girl in the office answering the phone, everybody is flipped on WA plants. And I think that is what transpires onto the ground 
even the guys that mow the turf, that love turf, still do it to promote the West Australian plants because as people go, that grass looks amazing, Mm. that and the synergy between that and the garden beds is seamless to the visitor um, as it is if you're looking at trees. If the Mm. trees look a bit ordinary and a bit like that could kill me, well, then (laughs) that is not a you know, an inspirational thing. So you employ world-class arborists to do a world-class job. And if you do that in every field within horticulture, then you are setting an example that promotes Western Australia and its flora, its biodiversity in a manner that I think it deserves. Do you love that, Sab, that it's really focused on WA and ah. it celebrates its, its, you know, where it is and its point of difference? It's really interesting because I came over from New South Wales and when I came to Western Australia, the flora knocked my Mm. socks off. And I had never seen... It's the most extraordinary flora in Mm. the world. Mm. And I couldn't believe that West Australians didn't have the same sort of passion for the flora. And I think what's been really instrumental in people coming to 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 understand how exceptional our flora is it's part of the the role that king's park has Mm. played and you know um you you were talking about uh making it exceptional so so rather than looking ordinary so people come to king's park botanic gardens and go holy moly that is the most astonishing sight I've ever seen. Mm. And that brings up a whole new awareness and a new appreciation of West Australian flora. Mm. And when, you know, international visitors come over, they wet their pants with excitement. Yeah. And understandably so. Thankfully, we have a warm, windy climate, so their pants dry quite quickly, <laughs> so they can go on to the next section. But their and socks are also pants. blown off, and, and then they travel far. <laughs> Tough. They're in trouble, Jane. They They're are. in trouble right. when they come here. So we we attempted to set that sort of precedent, and then I suppose via mechanisms like the Friends of Kings Park to actually sell a bit of Kings Park to the community. Then it starts to build a momentum where verges are starting to have a flavour. People are actually actioning it, doing it. And there is a momentum right throughout Perth with main roads, with councils. There's definitely a change that I think has been part of this long journey. To me, you don't change human nature overnight and that people have to really embrace it and own it and be part of that journey. So is that one of the objectives, that, that people will come, they will look, and then they will have a bit of Kings Park and a bit of WA yes. in their own backyard? Yeah, so much to the point that we realised that the botanic, the West Australian Botanic Gardens didn't actually convey that because people went, well, I've got to have huge resources to deliver. Mm. So we transpired to cafes around smaller buildings to actually do it from a you-can-do-this-at-home basis. So if people were having a coffee, they could actually go, I could actually do that. Yeah. So dropping the scale back to something that equaled a home garden. And then I believe that changed the way people viewed Kings Park as well. But you also have, I mean, there's lots of 
beautiful groups connected with the botanic gardens. So you've got the Friends of Kings Park mm. who do the growing and they have um, six plant sales a year, mm. I think it yeah, is. Yeah, something like that. And then you've got the Master Gardeners who hello. are... Hello. Who <laughs> are, um, you know, they give people the necessary resources and information to be able to take those plants home, put them in their garden and and grow them mm. so i think the combination of having the plants available for the general public and then having the resources and the information on you know this is what this is how you will care for this plant this is mm. how you will look after it and i think that's all part of the whole thing of um you know being able to to get people in western australia to grow more of their west australian plants Mm. um and actually understand that there is an enormous diversity of plant species that they can choose from like Mm. it's a pretty big palette you know you go you go to europe and you've got the alpine flowers and we all go oh that's really beautiful but they've got about eight different species. Mm. You come here and yep. you've got 800. And the other lovely thing is I think the plants being the natural heritage sort of combines with that cultural heritage elements in Kings Park. Yeah. So I believe so many people love Kings Park because it has all those layers within it. So as they grow a plant, they're like part of that cultural richness, mm. which has sort of been one of the most satisfying things in the job that I do because you've got Aboriginal culture, you've got European culture and all those are, you know, coming out and as people become more connected to plants, I'm pretty convinced that their connection with Aboriginality actually improves. To me, that is the linchpin. The Aboriginals that lived on the land for millions of years survived very well without those supermarkets, Mm. and you go, how did they do that? So once you actually understand that, and if you're connected to the plants that they lived off, you go, I'm part of something pretty special. Yeah. Mm. And to me, that is the essence of what Kings Park is about. It's about bringing all those cultures together, plants and people. And to me, that is what brings richness to the community and Mm. to society brings it all together yeah i like that um speaking of of that and uh, you mentioned the word surprising just before but you've been there more than 40 years uh does i feel like you'd know every inch of the place but does it does it still surprise you at times look only yesterday i went through a track that i don't think i've been through for a very long time and i went what is that flower (laughs) got my phone out took a picture and went i'd like to grow this thing send it to the bushland manager and just went have you ever collected this one? <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm on for it. I haven't, I haven't heard back from him as yet. But, I wonder what it is. You know, it was a weightsier. But, right. you okay, know, yeah. But flowering beautifully in the bushland at the beginning of November, wow. I'm going, well, that's a nice little attribute that could be added to the garden. Absolutely. And Jamie, when you said it's a weightsier, Jamie went, oh, yeah. Hmm. <laughs> well, I had my suspicions. Um, <laughs> But I didn't, I'm not confident enough yet just to jump in. So. Yeah, look, I still find every morning as I drive that Stirling Highway, go past the ocean and drive into the park, it's mm. like it's a new day every day because mm. there's mm. new people. You're only as good as the day you've walked in. If I, To me, that's a life 
principle. You yeah. don't sort of go, oh, look what I've done. Put your feet up. It's yeah. about... It's about, <laughs> Look at this joint. It's about what you're actually doing today. Yeah. And your attitude on that day and what you're trying to contribute to the betterment of the world. I have to say, like everyone I've met that works at Kings Park, they're all pretty happy campers. Yeah, right. Maybe <laughs> yeah. that's what I need in my life. That, yeah, a little <laughs> Not bit any of... jobs. <laughs> well, they are immersed in nature and their well-being is... They uh... are immersed in nature. And I think um, as, as we look at what's happening with droughts, floods, cyclones, all around the world, I think, you know, it, it, we, we actually are reaching a point where we either respect nature mm. and try and preserve what we have left or we are in we're looking at a brown zone really not a lot of green zone yeah. going on there so um the good I, I guess for for everyone that's working in that in that green zone in that green world and and doing a lot of sort of conservation and preservation stuff and and keeping the inspiration of such big areas like botanic gardens alive and accessible, um, you you all must be sort of pretty happy campers because it is definitely mm. the right direction to go in, I reckon. So it's, it's fun. That, it's fun. It's yeah. fun. You know, There's I probably admire the educators as well because, you know, they've got that amazing opportunity and there's a great team in the park that look after educating the young community from preschool right up to high school and they're sort of engaging with them to get them connected and get them to feel safe in an environment that is a is a natural environment so that you know they then become ambassadors for the future mm. and mm. you fire that mechanism because then they go back and tell mum and dad yeah and you know, if they're a little bit plant blind, well, yep. then their kids are the mechanism to go. Oh. Hey, mum and dad, you've missed something. <laughs> I love, <laughs> I love, I love that term. Plant, plant blind. blind. Yeah, yeah. I, th- I think that's well. Can mm. I? Use, am I allowed to use that yeah. term on your permission? Yeah, sure. that's a good one. It's it's a great one. <laughs> yeah. Growing up as an Italian, I just thought that Boy, an Italian. Yeah, I just thought that <laughs> gardens were for vegetables. So, oh yeah, well they are know, as yeah, well. That was it. Yep. Yeah. You you got a veggie yeah. garden at Kings Park, or the really? Yeah, yeah. There's a it's river a, veggie garden. It's a staff there. one. Oh, if you need yeah, if you need some one. work, non has got a bit of time on his hands. So he'll have some advice <laughs> that, for you. That is still okay. You're still connected to plants. Absolutely. Because that is one of the major connect. You know, plant blindness is actually not acknowledging that what you eat right comes mm, predominantly comes. from plants. I've got mm. my plant spectacles on. So you're and, you're okay. <laughs> and, and speaking of plants. Um, Grady actually does have a, a a plant named after him. Really, they found this magnificent mm. eucalypt down south, mm. and so tell us about tell yeah. us about your large nuts. Sure, Grady. look, it was a was a <laughs> was a bit of an honour. You know, Doctor Steve, sure Professor Steve Hopper was is a eucalypt expert, and he and Nathan McCoy, who do a lot of work in eucalypts on the south coast of Western Australia. I suppose visited a group which was called the Square Fruited um, Mallee, which is Eucalyptus tetraptera, and then within that, they decided there was a, uh, a few variations that were significant enough to give them their own species um, integrity, mm. and one 
that had ornamental potential, you know, lovely plant big with nuts. Big, big fruit, I'll say. <laughs> big nuts as Sabrina, yes. A very upright, lovely flower and highly ornamental, they named because of my contribution to horticulture in Kings Park. Oh, congratulations. Yeah. Rightly deserved. It's actually a beautiful little tree. It's it really is tree. magnificent. And, you yeah. know, the friends are the sellers of that and they've probably sold many thousands mm. over there's the little brandianas all They're over They're popping the place. up everywhere. <laughs> do, you, uh, do you have dibs on whenever you want one, you can grab one? Do you have a, a lifelong pass? I think I can. I think that's fair. I think it? I can purchase. So I went on a walk just recently and in my neighbourhood there was one. I went, hey, look at <laughs> Hello. that. And he was Here a, I am. I was talking to the person. And I oh, went, really? Do you know what that is? And he went, oh, I got it from the friends. I went, oh, <laughs> lovely plant. You tell him the story. And my partner went, it's actually named after him. And I went, I wasn't going to tell him that. <laughs> it's good to have someone around that yeah. can help you just pump your tyres. Yeah. <laughs> I like that. Yeah, eucalyptus brandiana, if people are interested in having a little bit of, you know, gravy okay. in their garden. Well, it's, a, it's a beautiful ornamental mm. little eucalyptus. And I understand it's one of the rarest plants um, in the wild. Mm. Yeah, right. Mm. Like like you, Grady. You're pretty rare. <laughs> He's unique. Yeah. Just on, I don't want to harp on about the 41 years yeah. being there. <laughs> sure. You know, because you, you choked when you brought up the year just before. But <laughs> does do the botanic gardens, do they, do they look like you thought they would back then? Have they evolved into where you thought they would go? I think they're a little bit beyond where I thought it was going to go because it's sort of like it's not, you know, it's never about me. It's about the team that you're part of. And I suppose it's always when you look at your working life, there are magic moments in your working life where everything came together and your team was amazing and you went beyond what you ever thought. And I think I've been in one of those periods where everybody just was going, we're going to be up there with the, you know, the world's best. Mm. And that probably has been pretty amazing. And then having some friends that used to work in the park come back and, you know, they're sometimes uh, quite good at uh, critiquing and go, they, yeah. they'll let you know with the bits that look a bit ordinary, <laughs> but they'll go, you know, you've taken it far beyond whatever I thought. And that's the lovely thing about gardening. It's never over. You know, I think I'm always of the thinking three, four times before you actually get it right. And then it's just a matter of always being, always having a judgmental eye without being too hard on yourself, but, you know, working it and trying to make sure that it is an inspiring place for people to to be because... If we're doing it for our own glory, well, it's neither here nor there. You know, but it is about changing people and about affecting their lives, getting that connection. And just, I suppose, that's the fun thing of Botanic Gardens to me. They're, they're great institutions that have those philosophical, you know, they are the Outdoor Living Museum. Mm. Everywhere you go around the world, you go to the museum, the Botanic Garden... You won't, you know, the traveller today is far more looking for a cultural experience yeah. than a fancy a Walt ride. Disney one. Yeah, yeah, they're looking as the world gets more complex. They're looking for auth- authenticity, I believe, and simplicity. Those yeah. two things and the local pub, I reckon. You put all those <laughs> together, and that is and maybe culture. a bowl of chips. Yeah, and, and I'm a happy boy. <laughs> 
just me. And on that note, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> on that high philosophical ending, um, Grady, thank you so much for coming in. Pleasure. It's been absolutely marvellous and um, I, think, I think you've nailed it. I reckon Kings Park team have nailed it. Best botanic garden in the universe. <laughs> Sabrina's Dirty Deeds. Yeah. All right, Sab, it's time to uh, answer a few questions. Send yeah. a little help. Well, people write in and they want they want answers, Jamie. Yeah, if you want a uh, question answered on Dirty Deeds, uh, mm-hmm. get in touch on the socials where we post. Leave a question in the comments. Yep. Easy as. Easy peasy. All right, we've got this one from Maureen about her New Zealand Christmas bush. Yeah. She says it's over 40 years old. They live in Kareen. Uh, just uh, about three k's from the coast in the northern suburbs there, Sab. Uh, she's had the tree heavily pruned a few years ago to remove the dead branches. It looked healthy for a while, but now there are dead branches to about a tenth of the tree. I have noticed the same problem in other trees in the northern suburbs. Is there anything I can do? What's going on? Well, unfortunately for Maureen, uh, the New Zealand Christmas tree appears to be dying all around Perth. Really? And they're not actually sure why. I have a theory that it's a change in climate and a drop in rainfall over the years, particularly the older ones that have been around for 40 years. They're seeing great changes in um, definitely temperature and in water. So there's not a lot that they can do. I know they've been looking for fungal diseases, bacterial diseases, and nothing's come up so far. But unfortunately, once they, once you get more than 30% of the tree dying, there's... It's Dunskies. It's Dunskies. Well, she's at 10%, one-tenth yeah. of the branches. So. Well, keep cutting off the branches, use wetting agent, get compost, do everything that everything else that you can to try and keep it healthy. All right, good luck. This one from Sid. A uh, picture of some roses. The petals have blooms of different colour. Why does that happen? Sorry, that's from Trisha. Oh, well, Trisha, Trisha's sending a picture of a rose. It's kind of pretty, right? It's beautiful because it's got most of the petals are, are burgundy red and then oh. it's just got one or two petals that are pure white. Yeah. So I would say this is burgundy iceberg rose and she's got ordinary white iceberg roses and because um, burgundy iceberg is a sport of iceberg, you're going to have iceberg. There's the French version there. (laughs) That's a flash, (laughs) flash version. Um, You're going to get the different gene strains coming through and that's all that is. It's a little, it's throwing out a little bit of its former self. I like it. Yeah, that's beautiful. Uh, This one from Mariette. Uh, We live in Palmyra and the season has opened with the mating calls of mole crickets. (laughs) What a beautiful sound that is. The lawns are the lawns are revealing lots of sand piles peeping through. The noise in the neighbourhood is deafening. Mm. What well, was last summer, she says, uh, and we've been on the job uh, with some advanced bathroid mm. yeah. in the mounds. Yeah. Is this the best way to treat them? Should I spray the whole garden? I would definitely not spray the whole garden. Don't now, do it. I know that mole crickets have become a bit of a problem, but what I can tell you is they're attracted to bowls of water and they go in there and they drown. Really? Yeah, because I've got a pond and I've got many a mole cricket. 
Yeah. Um, and every morning I have to dish out dead mole crickets that go in there and drown themselves. Right. And they must be very depressed. Not mole very crickets. clever fellas, are they? Well, I think they're depressed because they're friggin' ugly. Yeah. Stinker <laughs> of a little thing, <laughs> isn't it? Um, but look, I don't know if bathroid would work, but you definitely don't because if, if there's anything that kills mole crickets, it's going to kill everything in your garden. Yeah. So birds do eat them. Get some birds in there. Yeah. Yeah. Get birds in your garden. There you go. All and right. a bowl of water. And a bowl of water. <laughs> a couple of bowls maybe. Yeah. Give them a few options of where they end it. <laughs> exactly. All right. Uh, and let's take this one. Uh, this one has come through from Moraney. Moraney? Moraney, I don't know. Uh, please help. I live in Quida, Quetta, 50k south of Quereting. First I've heard of it. Apologies if I've mispronounced. In the last fortnight, my garden has become overwhelmed with budworm caterpillars. Wow. They've eaten through everything. She thought the citrus was safe, but they've started on that. Uh, her husband started spraying crops with uh, an insecticide for this, uh, but I didn't want it near my house because it will kill the bees too. I have noticed an increase in wasps in my garden in the past week. So I'm hoping that they'll get onto the caterpillars, uh, but it would take swarms to get rid of them. Any advice? What do you reckon? Okay, so the wasps are definitely attacking the caterpillars, but as you say, you'd need like 50 million wasps. That's tough going. Now, there's two organic sprays that you can use that only kill caterpillars. Don't harm anything else. Even if the bird comes down to eat the caterpillar, doesn't give them a crook guts. So... It's caterpillar-specific, so that after a few beers. Yeah. So one's called Dipel, D-I-P-E-L, and the other's called Success. They're both bacteria and it just affects the nervous system of the caterpillar. It's more effective if you spray underneath the leaf where the little buggers hide. Ooh, a little bit so of harder work there. see them. And because they go the colour of the thing they're eating yeah you can't notice them right clever clever <laughs> there you go and they're underneath the leaf so the birds don't see them and eat them but um dipel or success gone all right well good luck to you uh just out of querying querying mm. home of the mighty querying bulls ah. yeah the local football team down there coached by a good friend of mine paul oh. delina oh well they must be a good team then uh they're, they're bad team for a while and now they're, they're okay <laughs> <laughs> they made the finals this year for the first time in a long time. Oh, wow. Yeah, thanks Things to Coach up. Dilly. Yeah, anyway, enough of that. Um, Sab, that was awesome. Good to see you. You too, Jamie. Hi, it's Sabrina Hahn, and this episode is brought to you by our very dear mates at Bentonite WA who make very high-grade premium calcium bentonite clay which is 100% West Australian owned and operated so uh, you only need a very small amount 3 to 6% in your garden bed it's all through my garden bed so check them out bentonitewa.com.au